So the guest I have on today is Nasia Filippou, an OT student in the UK. And Nasia is originally from Cyprus. She has had plenty of practice in her placements and also working experience in different OT specialties, which she will share with us leading up to now her final year in OT school overseas, which I'm not too familiar with from here in America. So we'll learn a lot about that. And she has interest and background in dancing as a dance instructor and tutor for adults with bachata. And she hopes to use dance therapy in the future as a future occupational therapist in her practice. I'm excited to have Nasia on today. Hey, Nasia, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. Time zone zip difference. Right now, it's me for the morning. So I just woke up. I want to ask, how are you doing? Which is, uh, what time is it over there? It's like half past six, almost quarter to seven, actually. Um, yeah, it was a long day, but I, w- I tried to just keep it kind of like empty. So I'm more relaxed for this purpose right here. So, yeah. That's that's good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Where are you currently located? So I'm currently back in Cyprus for the Christmas holidays. Um, I've just finished my placement um, in the UK, actually. Um, and I just came back here like Saturday. So yeah, not too long ago now. Yeah, you have a lot of back and forth huh, between school and home. So let's get into occupational therapy. How did you get involved with it and get into school? And what's your story with background with that? I was kind of like in pursuit of something in the healthcare field. Um, I was always interested in like biology and anything kind of like healthcare related. And I was always a huge fan of Grey's Anatomy, which is very funny. Um, so I was also kind of like interested in volunteering and that gave me kind of like a sense of fulfillment. But it wasn't really until my final year in high school where like my mom and private, private counselor kind of introduced OT to me. And they proposed it like as a possible career opportunity, considering my interests and also the growing popularity of the specialty. Uh, so I thought it was a really good match for me. And that's how I kind of like ended up applying for OT in the first place. Wow. So were you like undecided between that OT and some other professions? Because, you know, there's a lot in healthcare. You know, a lot of people want to become doctor, nursing physical therapy. I know your mom mentioned OT, but were you considering anything else? Yeah, I will probably say like I was considering nursing school. Um, but because my dad, he's a nurse and I would say like the shifts of a nurse are quite harsh, just like working overnight mm. and stuff like that. I was thinking like long term, it wouldn't be very um good for me like i want to be a mom at some point like it might not be very convenient for me so i was very much like in pursuit of something that i could like set my hours for myself and even have the chance to kind of like open a therapy center myself which you can't really do as a nurse um so yeah i was i was a bit conflicted between nursing and ot mostly what kind of things did you, what kind of drove you to go into OT or like really attracted you about it? Were there a story or something you learn or you work with one or your mom is really just good at selling you things <laughs> and be marketing? <laughs> she was very persuasive, to be honest. Um, but I would say what got me at the end, it was probably just like the holistic approach of the profession. So it was... Um, combining both like physical and mental health elements for me and and I was kind of like craving that because I I just felt you know I'm not I'm not going to be always interested in physical health I'm not going to be always interested in mental health I wanted something that can have both so I think OT and just like how versatile it can be um, in different settings that's what attracted me the most yeah, that's a really good point. Is like a lot of times we focus on maybe like one or the other, and because OT is so holistic, you can always not lose interest, and there's so much you can do. And 
you mentioned mental health. So I want to kind of curious myself personally, like how is the mental health over where you are at in terms of, in terms of like, just in general, like what's the environment like? Cause I'm not really familiar with it compared to like here in America. Um, so I'm not really sure about Cyprus yet because I haven't really worked here like as an OT um, under like a mental health setting at least. Uh, but I would say in the UK, so I just finished my placement in mental health actually, it was my first one. Um, it was about seven weeks and I was a part of a team called Thrive in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. Um, I think it was... It very much kind of like values what the person wants to achieve with therapy. So the therapy plan is very much led by the person and we kind of like let them identify their priorities and actually Thrive provides like a more kind of like short-term intervention. Ah. It's not as like long-term, but I think it's really good because it's very much like goal-focused person-centered and it really really values like how your mental health can impact your like everyday engagement in occupations Uh, so I think just having the specialty of OT within the Thrive team was a really good match Um, because yeah I think we like work alongside with nurses um, and psychologists psychiatrists so I think it's a really good match uh, to have OT in there Oh, definitely. Yeah. We think we bring a different kind of value, like you said, in our occupational focus really helps with, I think aligns with that focus of what that program is, is like doing what they value. And that's so cool how everything connects together. Yeah. Do you think uh, you want to have a career in mental health now? Did it inspire you? Um, I don't know. Like, I think I'm leaning more towards pediatrics in the long term. Uh-huh. Um, but I wouldn't mind actually just enjoying a few years in mental health before I do that or even just try and like incorporate that element of mental health into pediatrics because I think that's a very much like overlooked and I think yeah. the kind of like population of teenagers especially um, it's very much like overlooked in terms of occupational therapy services and mental health um, there's a huge gap between like when they turn 18 and they get referred to adult services after that so in that kind of time um, there there are not like a lot of services available for them and I want to be right. kind of more involved in that and just have the option for them almost so I would say it's very similar like over here I feel like there's a lot of programming support basically for, you know, from very young, early intervention when they're like even born, going definitely going when they go to school. Like there's actually, I'm not about over there, but OTs in the schools and supporting them there in the classroom. And then like they get older and it's like, I feel like they're kind of like forgotten or like what is the support that's available and especially for mental health. And it's like so important, but... I just don't know why. It's a good question. I think it's similar thing over there too, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's very much like involved in kind of school. So I think that's very similar. So yeah, I think in terms of like OT and mental health, there seems to be similarities, I guess, in the UK and US. Yeah. And what kind of population did you work with? Like what kind of patients? What were the ages in that your mental health field work? Or we call it field work over here. Your placement over there? Is that what you call it? Yeah, it's called placement over here. Um, so the population was ad- adults, I would say. So anyone over 18 um, until like 65. And I think after 65, you get referred to geriatric services. Um hmm. So yeah, I think that was like mostly the population and we had like a lot of different diagnoses for people. So people with depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, um, you name it. Like there was uh, so many different diagnoses, um, autism, ADHD. Um, so yeah, it was a really good kind of like combination of everything. So I could see how the OT role fit into different like diagnosis and how we can help. Yeah. 
Do you think your school prepared you for that placement? Because that seems like a lot of conditions that you learn in school or may not even learn, especially like in great depth, right? So do you think school prepared you for that? Well, um, my university, so Robert Gordon University, um, I don't think they prepared us as much, but I think the whole kind of like concept behind it is that they give you kind of like the more general knowledge and stuff and like we did learn for example like about schizophrenia like in theory but we didn't actually mm -hmm. go in like great depth about the OT role and how we can um, like how our input will look like um, but I think that's like on purpose almost uh, so we can find that out in practice uh, so I think that's the whole concept I guess behind it yeah, I think a lot of OT schools similar in that they have a strong foundation in terms of like theory and approach. We follow the occupational therapy practice framework here and from the our organization, the AOTA, and we kind of go from there and build our own steps and learn our own way, which I think is really cool because a lot of things you do in practice similar, like like with COVID nineteen, like there's no framework or like handbook for how to treat. You know, we kind of went along with that. So I think that's a really cool skill set. And one thing a lot of students are like, oh, how come we didn't learn exactly how to work like with this population and do this and that? Because it changes all the time, right? And there's no one right way to do things too. So I actually want to know more about how schooling and becoming an OT works over there overseas. So you graduate and what's the next steps from you at actually practicing as an OT? So for you to kind of like register as an OT and be able to practice, um, you need to complete like 1,000 hours worth of practical experience to be registered as like um, a healthcare practitioner. Um, so you need to be registered with RCOT, which is the Royal College of Occupational Therapy. Um, and that's kind of like our regular regulatory body. Uh, in the UK oh. and you also need to be registered with HCPC which is the Health and Care Professions Council um, mm. so for you to be able to register with those two you need to complete 1000 hours worth of practical um, experience and of course just have your OT degree on top of that um, but usually like the practical experience comes from uh, your placements so uni makes sure that you get plenty hours, more than 1,000 hours. Um, so you can mm. definitely be registered. Yeah. Would you say that you'd be able to get all of your hours from just placements in school? Or do you have to do extra, like find your own? Um, so you should be able to have more than 1,000 hours just from the placements provided by the university alone. Um, yeah. So, like for example, my kind of like work experience as an OT in the summer um, wouldn't count towards those hours, if that makes sense, because it has to be a placement kind of like under oh. your university almost. So, um, mm. you need to make sure that, like for example, there was one placement that I missed a week because I had COVID. Um, mm. So, that didn't really matter because um, I've got plenty hours still um and it's not going to really affect uh, my goal of 1000 hours because they i think you almost get 1200 hours mm. in total so they definitely make sure that you get your hours in yeah so they have extra padding wiggle room for you just in case of like emergency or whatever and things going on that's really cool so it sounds like there's no big exam like we have to take over here in the United States called the NBCOT, a board exam that we have to study for and the big deal. No, not really. So like, do you have to um, like study for an exam after you get your, your degree and then just do another, like go through like a different exam board? Yeah, basically. So... It's almost kind of like the final exams that you take in your courses all put together from the very beginning. So they ask, basically, I believe it's a four-hour test 
um, majority of it is a multiple choice question. I think there are four answer choices to choose from. And then aside from that, we have kind of like a simulated section where you kind of go through the OT process from like evaluation to planning and doing assessments and outcomes to doing interventions. And you kind of, it's similar to like multiple choice, but you just click like yes and no. And you kind of answer what you think would be appropriate. And then it gives you real time feedback based on what you do. And you take that in the very beginning. And I think there are three sections as well. So they target mental health, pediatrics, as well as geriatric. And then basically it's very self-paced, self-timed. But in terms of preparing for it, a lot of people generally do study. So some take try to take it as soon as possible because everything is still fresh in their mind. Some people take longer to study for it, uh, maybe like as early, I would say, from several weeks to many months out. And you schedule to take that test yourself on your own date, and it's all on the computer-based. But the thing is, it's like very stressful because if you don't pass, you have to wait like a period of time before you can take it again. It costs extra money. And then on top of all that, it's a big deal because you have to pay for things on top of your school and your education and already the debt that you are in. You pay for study materials. Some people pay for tutoring. Some people take tape for like a test bank to for practice questions. So it's like a whole deal. And there's this whole kind of like wall to overcome before you become a therapist. After that, it's easy because you just register with the state where you are living in and where you want to practice and then uh, just get registered and get your license. So big difference. <laughs> That's a big difference, actually. Yeah, I think I'm kind of glad that we don't have an exam after uni because that will be way too much like oh my god but do you actually get like any kind of like practical experiences so when like in my university we normally get five placements uh, over the course like of your degree so how many places like placements will you get then yeah i think it's very similar we have what's we differentiate between one and two so level one level two level one is very quick i think like a week long and it's more of like i would say less involved you're not doing as much of the ot process you're more just kind of getting exposed to the setting and interacting with clients but you're not doing hands-on therapy and things like that so we do that with mental health and pediatrics and geriatrics as well so and then from there we go into level two one of which mandated to be mandatory to be mental health and then we do that one first at least in my school and then after that um, you get to choose if you want to go into like pediatrics or adults and physical disability so like for example myself i chose uh, adult physical disability and that's where i worked as for placement over there and it's actually where i ended up doing getting my first job so it worked out for me yeah, so, but five placements, and I don't know about the hours, though. It seems like I don't even think it would be a thousand hours, because and maybe it does work out to be that much. I'm not sure, but it did seem like a, it was a sufficient amount of time to be working with patients, too. That sounds really good, actually, that you kind of also get the practical experiences that you get to choose, like, your specialty, so you get, like, a more holistic training, almost. Um, Yeah, like, our placements are about, like, um six weeks long um i think mm. first year is six weeks long second and third year should be eight weeks and then mm -hmm. your final year should be six weeks but you get two placements in the final year so it's six weeks each um and usually like in that time we don't have a lot of assignments due uh, <laughs> so we can like fully focus on placement because it, we're there like for a full full time placements so i'm there like nine to five every day so yeah yeah that makes sense very similar over here too and what what is kind of like the options for placements like where have people gone is it pretty general focus or they have they gone into also more specialized areas of ot like hand therapy and things like that what are some of options um so they usually like try and give you a variety of like different settings uh, over the years so they would look oh where did nasia like go before so we can 
give her something else this year. So yeah. I think some of the options might be like stroke rehabilitation, um, orthopedics, um, A&E, pediatrics, geriatrics, mental health. Um, I haven't seen anyone gone to like um, hand therapy, but I know one of my friends, uh, she graduated last year. Um, she, like for her elective placement, because we do get to choo choose where we want to go for the elective. Um, I think she got hand therapy um, in Australia mm. and she actually went to Australia for it. Um, oh, wow. And then what else do we get? Um, there, there's also like opportunities for you uh, to go to prison. Like you might be an OT in prison uh, in the UK. Um, uh -huh. But there's very limited opportunities for that. So, for example, this year yeah. um, there was an opening uh, for a student to go. So all of us that wanted to go, we had to submit a personal statement and they got to choose who will go to that. Um, mm, I so I think there's like a few different opportunities um, to try like different specialties, definitely. Yeah, that's really cool. I think a lot of, based on your interests, I think that that's cool that they try to match you up so that you can really get a lot, wide range of learning and so you're prepared when you practice. Yeah, I'm curious to say, to ask, what's like the male to female uh, ratio over there in terms of like your school? Like, what have you seen? Is it mostly female dominated? Definitely. Um, I think about 97% uh, of the class were all females. Um, I would say there's like three or four boys in each year maybe um mm -hmm. i think the ratio in um, like different areas of the uk is slightly different i think sure. in edinburgh um there is a few more males um in the ot specialty but i think it's like in general very much female um dominated um yeah. But yeah, how is it in the U.S. then? Is it female dominated as well? I would say so, yeah. Uh, I think you say like 97% in your class. I would probably estimate like maybe a little bit less, uh, maybe like 90, 95% female in the class. So in my class, it probably depends on the school too, but we had, uh, including me, four other uh, guys in the class. So I say that's actually a pretty high number. Uh, so compared to like probably the classes where you're experiencing, you're probably the only guy for that year, huh? Yeah, it must be hard to be like around so many girls all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess like it's just the way it is at the moment. Maybe it might change like in the future. We, we'll see. Yeah. We had a lot of fun, though. It was nice having a lot of support. I think a cool thing about the females, classmates especially, they're very supportive and they're really, like, just supportive overall and they get it and they get that you're the only guy. <laughs> you know, poor us. No, but it was fun. I like had a lot of fun. So I want to ask, and we talked about kind of in our preparation for this, I had a question about, like, just OT in general. Would you say is popular from where you're from or is it kind of very you mentioned like specialty so is it a very specialized area in the healthcare field i i would say like it wasn't always popular it's starting to get a lot of attention gradually um however i think it's very much pediatrics focused at the moment um and like don't get me wrong i absolutely love pediatrics um, and as I said before, like it's where I'm leaning towards uh, in terms of a career. But I think it's really important to just like recognize the need of OT input in other settings like stroke rehabilitation, geriatrics and mental health. Um, so, yeah, it's actually starting to gradually get more popular. Um, and I think it's also um, a fresh career opportunity and something very closely related to healthcare but it's not like as intense as a medical degree um, mm -hmm. and I think it's also very like something that's very much going to be needed in the long term uh, so like I think it's a great like opportunity for financial stability for people 
too, uh, because of the growing yeah. popularity of the profession. Um, so I think it's yeah, it's gradually becoming more and more popular. Like when I finished high school, I would maybe know one or two people that wanted to study OT, and then right after I just finished my first year, I just uh, learned about like so many girls from my school um, mm. that went on to study OT that I had no idea about. Uh, but yeah, apparently it's just growing and growing. We talked about in preparation for this podcast your interest in social media and OT. So, what do you think is involvement of social media, and what are how are things like over there where you are in terms of your experience as a student and your placements? Yeah. So about like a year ago, I started an Instagram page called Ergo dot Healing. And kind of like the idea behind it, it was for me mostly to kind of like share my knowledge around OT services for children and young adults mostly. And my target population will probably like be teenagers, occupational therapists, other kind of like allied health professionals, um, students, parents, teachers. Um, and like in the near future, I would like for it to be kind of like the logo and name behind my own kind of like therapy center. So I very much started that yeah. with the idea of it becoming a business. Um, but I think it's like mm -hmm. just taking advantage of the gift of social media and just like um, like getting a sufficient social media following. I think it, play, it can play a huge role in like the advocacy of OT and just letting people know what we do and like how like for example I might like post something about depression and then it's not just like general information about depression uh, alone but it's also like how an OT can be involved in that so why would you refer like your child to me if they're depressed yeah how can I help so I think it's very much like informative and just like advocating the profession of OT um, and I think it's and it's also for students that want to go on and pursue mm -hmm. a career in OT just like letting them know what we're all about and how they might like how their career might look like in the future um, so I think like platforms like Instagram Facebook um, TikTok can be like great tools in the advocacy of occupational therapy yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think it, I noticed it as much when I was in school. Like, it was definitely around. And then I graduated and I started looking and I was like, oh my gosh, I like missed out on all of these things, like resources really that helped me, could have helped me as a student or even way before when I was considering what I want to do for a career. Like, if I had known about these social media accounts and resources, that would have been so much more helpful in helping me decide and like just help me along and especially now even in practice i like follow so many accounts and use it for my own practice too and like looking up things yeah i definitely i think like especially this year i just started to like obviously i'm familiar with like journal articles when i do my research and stuff like that but i think it's just really important to like know how to use like social media tools and just filter the information you get so you can get the best mm. uh, out of like websites you go into and actually it's really funny because I was actually researching something when I when I came across your page and that's how I actually found the page um, and it was like really really interesting information I can't remember what I was researching about um, oh, yeah. but it was really like useful for me to just see that oh like there's other people advocating OT and just providing resources and material for students like me um, I was out on placement at the time and I think I was just looking mm -hmm. for something like a diagnosis or something um, but I think it's just really cool because obviously as like young people we're really really familiar with social media right. and I think if we try and use it like in a positive way to educate and inform people it can really work great yeah, definitely. I'd see a lot of really good content like from other occupational therapists, especially. And it's like, wow, really impressive, like how much you can see the passion that they put in. And at the end of the day, it's so cool because it connects it to uh, the general population. 
and educating them about how OT can be beneficial for their mental, physical health, everything like holistically. And I think that's just so cool because, you know, you hear about things and I think Unfortunately, one thing that we can probably do better is making it more into the mainstream media. I don't know how, but like, you know, they have shows like Grey's Anatomy. Maybe they should have like an OT show or something, huh? I think that will actually be really, really good. Just just even like having a small kind of like role in like those big shows. Uh, so they can see that, oh, like OT is like a healthcare profession. Like they exist. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the right. acknowledgement of the profession, I guess. So maybe someone who's who's an, into acting or doing something like that, maybe you can get like showbiz or Hollywood. But on that topic, you're a dancer. So tell me a little bit about that and what's your experience and how do you think it can be used for occupational therapy? So um, I think dance could be a great form of therapy, like in general. Um, I think it can be used to kind of like enhance someone's connection with their senses. So like hearing, musicality, rhythm, and proprioception, visual motor skills, stuff like that. So I think it can very much be used like as a sensory integration therapy and maybe like an OT can even create like a sensory diet for someone um, depending on like their needs and just incorporate that into like a choreography, for example, if dancing Mm -hmm. is like a meaningful occupation for them and it can be very much uh, custom made and suited to their needs um, I yeah. think it can also work as like a self-esteem boost for people and just make them feel more comfortable with their own movement and just feel more comfortable in their own skin um, and also in terms of like socializing and connecting people like if you dance socially so like bachara is um, a dance that you can dance with like in a couple or just social dance with people uh, you get to just meet so many new people, make so many like meaningful relationships, friendships, whatever. And yeah. I think it can be like a great way to make people feel more connected to their community and to their self as well. I didn't even think about that. Like the social aspect is very, very important. In- yeah, I think it's like great uh, I mean I have been like dancing on and off for a few years but like consistently I have been dancing uh, like for the past year I would say and I think that played like a huge role in my own confidence and just I think it's a great way to exercise as well it's a great way to mm-hmm. just relieve like release stress if you dance and um, yeah. and of course like it just made me think like how can I incorporate that into OT so like I was thinking things like um, it can even contribute to like sequencing tasks. So being able to like follow a choreography and uh, things like adaptability and like problem solving skills. So if you mess up like a move or so um, and of course like gross motor skills and balance. So like um, other skills needed to move the bigger muscles in our bodies. Um, and also things like bilateral co- coordination, spatial awareness, and just recognizing how our body moves within a space. Um, and I think it was really good to just link all this theory that I've been learning about and just seeing that, like, how like dance can uh, be incorporated into that. So I think, yeah, it, it's it could be a great form of therapy, and I think it, that's something I'm almost like willing to explore after I get my degree just see that like maybe I can incorporate that into my own um like specialty um so yeah I think it'd be a really fun way um to like deliver therapy to people I totally agree. I actually have some experience with that. Not that I'm like a dancer I'm like the opposite like you being a dancer I'm like the very opposite and I don't dance and I'm I have like two left feet, but what's really interesting and I'll never forget is one of my classmates, we had an assignment. I think it was in our very beginning where I think it was based around teaching somebody a skill 
and activity analysis. So what you just described, like all those like things, like sequencing, like it is really cool because you really think about it in terms of like the OT mind, and you see how a lot of dancing has a lot of connections and just understanding it. But really, what I learned was like I think very similar to Bachara is he taught us our classmate, which is a male, how to dance salsa, and it was my first time dancing salsa, and it was so cool. He like taught us just very basic steps, like one two steps. And it was like so cool to just put it all together, and it's like really challenging at the same time. Like I was just thinking, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much how people do like so much more difficult moves, but it can be such a great form of therapy because I felt the cognitive aspect, definitely the physical. I was like starting to sweat the social aspect, and like you know being in a group and like just having fun too, and like self expression. There's so much to it. It's like If you never danced before, I'm sure everybody's danced before, right? But it's like such a cool way of doing therapy. Yeah, I completely agree. Like it sounds like a great experience for you.、Uh, but yeah, I think the gift of like OT, like the OT mind, as you mentioned, I think it's almost just having、um, like a special way to explain things to people because of like.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Skills that we've been practicing, like activity analysis skills. So, I think that came real handy for me when I taught like my first class because I was able、mm-hmm. to kind of think, oh, like I can break down this move more and more and more and just explain in great depth like what you need to be doing to、um, execute that move.、Um, and I think that comes great,、uh, like it's a great skill to have, like as a tutor because. Your way of like communicating that to your students, um, it just makes them like engage easier, better,、yeah. um, and just you. I think you generate better results in general. I definitely agree. I think one connection I just thought of that I can draw is social, the social media aspect, dance. Right, you mentioned like TikTok. Like dance is so huge, right, on that platform. Like a lot of people, they. I think they get into dancing from watching people like do these challenges and like these moves, and there's so many different ones. I'm not on TikTok myself, but like I definitely know about how popular it is. It's just like I think that can be such a cool way to get people into dance by inspiring like young, especially young adults, young kids. It's like this is how you do it, and it's so cool to see people dance around the world too, like in their different environments. From like I think I watched a video of someone like dancing while they're like doing some. Work like on the field and farming. I was like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" Like, why not have some fun? Yeah, I think that's great, and I think like TikTok and like other social media platforms can be a great tool to like encourage people to get more involved. But I think at the same time, it can also like work as like the exact opposite almost. So it might like、um, like disencourage people from socializing with others because they might be just stuck on their phone like watching TikToks. So I think it's just about like finding that、um, balance between like oh like I can watch dancing and like like watch people dance on、uh, social media, but I can also go out and dance in person with people and just like social dance. So I think it can、yeah. work both ways depending on your understanding of social media and whether you can make it into like a, a good thing for you.、Um, So yeah. So how would you get someone into dancing? Like a lot, someone with like a lot of like they're feeling nervous, and maybe they see a lot of the TikTok videos, and like that is like impossible for me. Like there's no way I can do all those moves. And how would you recommend someone to find dance, get into dance, and do it as a form of therapy, even? So I would maybe say like first of all, they need to just see. Uh, what like dance is about, and just find their own kind of like style that they prefer, their own、um, music. Like, what kind of music do they like? Do they like、mm-hmm. Latin music? So maybe salsa, bachata, kizomba, something like that.、Uh, or they're more into like R and B, breakdance, K-pop. I don't know.、Um, so I think once they kind of like establish that, then they can just go on and practice. Like on their own, almost.、Um, yeah. So I think as long as they try and feel comfortable、um, dancing by themselves, 
then they can proceed into maybe dancing with a friend like in their house or dancing with their family or dancing like in a social like a party or a birthday party something like something like that and then they might be able to proceed into uh, oh I might try and go to classes and things like that but I think as long as you have someone to kind of like encourage you to try and see all these things like for example for me last year um maybe september last year one of my flatmates he was going to the first bachata class of the year um in uni and he just randomly came into my room and was like oh i'm going to this class it's like a taster class um are you interested and i was like okay like i don't have anything else to do for the day so i'm I'm just going to join. Like, I was never expecting that one year later I was going to be teaching. So I think, like, you never know what's going to happen. So just, I would say, go for it. What are your kind of future things going forward for OT? Like, what's next for you? And you mentioned maybe even the business side. So that's really, really cool. Because can you tell me a little bit more about kind of your passions and your dreams and your goals? Yeah, so... As I mentioned before, like I wanted, I want to like in the long term have my own therapy center, and I would want to have like OTs, speech and language therapists, and probably physiotherapists as well. So I'm very much looking to have the combination of um, like different professions with like under the same roof, because I think that's really yeah. important for parents. Like one of their children might have like. I don't know like autism or ADHD and they might need OT and speech and language it, I think it's really convenient for them to have the opportunity to use both specialties under the same roof so it's mm-hmm. more convenient for the parent the parent they don't have to drive elsewhere for it um, and I think it's really really good um, in terms of like multidisciplinary working as well because like in uni they keep talking about like multidisciplinary teams and the importance and mm-hmm. blah blah and I actually see the value of that and how it can be like very convenient for us as practitioners and um, right. the parents because like if you have the same child uh, working with different specialties it's much easier to just have a meeting with someone in person under the same therapy center and discuss the right. progress of the child and maybe come up with next steps for it, for the child instead of just having to call someone. You don't know their schedule. You don't know if they're available. Um, mm. So I think it can be very, very convenient. Um, and it's very much like... Um, and like future plan at the moment. Um, but I think it's just coming closer and closer as I progress through my course uh, and mm-hmm. just yeah hopefully it's gonna get started uh, after I get my degree in the summer so I'm looking forward to it oh that's really cool you're getting really close to becoming one and it's like I mean I remember that time in my life and it was very very exciting and the possibilities are endless yeah do you say you will have kind of like a support or mentorship over there like do you have like talk to like people who have graduated like or you kind of like on it on on your own and you kind of have to find your own way like how's it like over there especially in your school usually like what they recommend is that like for example when you get to choose your elective placement you try and apply to go to a place that you might want to work at later because after your elective placement they might be able to offer you the job directly and you can even go for the interview and everything before you get your actual degree. Um, and they can almost reserve the spot for you. So as soon as you get your degree, we can get started. Um, and then, of course, you've got a supervisor um, and you get supervision maybe once a month or something. Uh, so I think they're really, really good in terms of guiding you and just making you um, settle into the setting easier. Um, in terms of like OT in Cyprus I think that's quite different I think you do get like a mentor or something like that when once you finish and they like supervise you um, maybe once every few months Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's very much 
you need to kind of like find your own way um, in Cyprus. But I think that's because the popularity is not as big as it is in the UK yet. So they're going to gradually come like uh, at the same level, um, but it's just going to take longer. So, yeah. It sounds like overall everything is pretty well. The system is very supportive and everything is in place. There is like logical things for you and you don't have to stress too much. What would you say to our listeners out there? A lot of us are students or the considering occupational therapy. What would you say is one reason someone should consider the field, especially overseas, like over where you guys live and out of not where I live from yes I don't know how popular it is over here but <laughs> I think like if you are like after something that it's quite fulfilling and just like um you're into like healthcare you like biology you like all this kind of stuff um I think OT is a very versatile profession to go after um I think you can work in like strictly mental health or strictly physical health or a combination of or of like both you can work mm -hmm. with children you, you can work with infants teens elderly um so i think you get the best of both worlds um so yeah i think if you're after something like quite versatile um where you can even like make your own schedule because i think like wherever you go it's really easy to um just even like open your own uh kind of center and just provide services like privately um mm -hmm. so i think if you're after something like that you're interested in healthcare um, but you're not you don't want to go for a medical degree um right. ot can be a great option yeah that's a lot of good points i mean very similar over here too a lot of uh OTs goes into private practice too and open up their own practice and like you kind of are thinking integrate other therapies like physical therapy, speech therapy, other holistic practitioners and it's really really cool to put everybody in their their specialty and use what patients need and they're seeking and to provide what they need and it's a really great service. So yeah. With that said, it's time for the end of the show. I have some very quick questions to ask you that I ask everybody. Are you ready for them? Okay, Nasia, how would you describe OT to a stranger on the street? I think that's a really good question, actually, because there has been like so many times where I had to quickly explain OT to someone. Um, so I usually say like, just imagine like not being able to um, do the simplest things like in your everyday life. So things like brushing your teeth or even using cutlery to eat your food. And like now you can imagine the impact this can have on your social interactions, your daily life, your daily obligations. So if you have a problem with anything that has to, like an impact on your daily life and your daily occupations, you will probably see an occupational therapist. And that's why we're called occupational therapists. So like our like overall goal would be to help you like achieve your full occupational potential in any age, in like like people with different backgrounds. Um so I think that's the best way to like quickly summarize OT and just explain it to someone. <laughs> really, really cool explanation. Yeah. What is your own personal occupation if you had to choose one? I know it may be hard, but what is your like your favorite one at least currently? I think you might probably expect me to say dancing, but I think I would probably say cooking. I think it just makes me relax. Um I really enjoy food. I really enjoy like cooking different cuisines. Uh so if I was ever able to like not like if like my cooking was ever impacted so much that I wasn't able to cook, I think that will have a huge impact on my health. So I would say uh, cooking will be my favorite occupation at the moment. Yeah. I like how you're thinking about it in terms of like deficits and like barriers and like loss of occupation too. It's so OT. But yeah, a lot of people lose that ability to cook and they may have to look at other alternatives or adapt and as 
such a big part of what OTs do and what I do personally in like meal preparation and like finding them resources. So really, really good point. That's the first time I heard an answer like that. So I, I love it. I love food. <laughs> and what is something that you have read recently or learned about that you would recommend to our listeners, like a book or an article or something like that? I think I'm going to recommend a book. Um, it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. I'm not going to say the word. Um, so it basically like promotes that everything starts and ends in your mind. So what you, what you give the power to has power over you. Um, so it basically like promotes that whatever you read anywhere on social media, um, you very much need to try and filter um, the, the things that you let to like affect yourself at the end of the day. So I think that had a huge impact on me because I was very much social media obsessed at one point. Um, and now I'm very much like, I know how to use it. So it's, it doesn't like impact my own health. So I think that's a great book. And it's just very like, like, it's almost like like you get an existential crisis, but like in a good way. So I would definitely recommend that book. Good. It's a good point. And last, I want to ask you, what is the big takeaway from today's discussion? What is the main thing you wanted to talk about or describe or share with our audience? I think impossible is for people that are like unwilling. So if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. So that goes for both like OT service users and us as like practitioners. So for example, if you want to pursue like a placement or a career abroad, just go for it because like you have to believe in your knowledge and your skills. And if you actually love what you're doing, it's going to naturally show in practice. Um, so I would promote the fact that you need to just take advantage of opportunities as they come and just make the most out of it and don't be afraid to like go out of your comfort zone and just experience new things because everything is a learning opportunity thank you so much for being on the show nasia i appreciate it thank you so much for having me it has been a pleasure